<laughs> I'm experiencing this unusual tug. I don't actually want to speak. I'd rather just watch everyone come. Uh, and yet I have uh, way too much to offer today because I feel a sense of joy and excitement of reconnecting with everyone and beginning the new year. And so to meet my uh, ambivalence and pulls, we'll sit. As we sit together, you might notice, as we often are called to do, that, that you're breathing. There's this process we call breathing. part of your sitting and attending is the breath. Where does it start? Where does it end? And as you simply just appreciate your breath, it's something that is a challenge for a number of people these days. Just being attentive. You could describe the sensations of your breath, the qualities of your breathing. Really, you're just noticing a rhythm of ongoing change. Using your breath as the focus, because there is only change. Impermanence. She can't really grasp. It slips through our fingers. It's just life. But 
remaining with your breath, you might also notice that the function of this breathing is on behalf of everything else you call your life. There's the exchange of oxygen and carbon dioxide to the lungs. And movement of nutrients. In some ways, the refreshing of the circulation which carries our body's defenses and hormones. There's the warmth of the blood and the cooling on and on these functions. Where does one system begin? And where does the other end? Everything is arising together on each breath. Because everything contingently arises and passes away together with no little special self back there directing it all. And this is life, impermanent, contingent. And to simply sit with a number of people in front of a screen and attend to your breath can be confusing or, or confounding. It might even be annoying. Certainly at times is boring, sometimes inspiring and awesome. They're difficult as it could be even terrifying because everything arises and everything passes away if we sit with this kind of attention and awareness long enough. And that long list of everything including our ideas about the list, good, bad, comfortable, uncomfortable, suffering, bliss, all of it, is dukkha, is dissatisfaction, it's life. just breathing. Impermanent, contingent, precious life. Life is wonderful and life is painful as long as we are in these bodies and this is dukkha. And it all keeps changing all the time as long as we are in these bodies. This is impermanence. And when we construct a separate self that takes it all personally, it's more painful. Something we do in these bodies. Because there's really no independently existing self.
these are the three marks of existence impermanence mutual arising dukkha and as I sound the bell in just a moment there'll be a transition and the transitions are where we notice our practice and its fruits we can sit for a while and maybe it's calming we're engaged in things for a while but in the transitions is where we sometimes lose our focus our attention as our wholesome awareness continue just like this first week we call it of a new year which we name it is an apparent transition only because we make it so it's just another day where does it start Where does it end? And as we together uh, voice the <clears throat> verse of the robe, hear it in this context that we've just sat with. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. That you will um, bear with me through some additional uh, transitions because there's a few things I'd like to share with you to take us further into this question of what's made new in this new year and and the obvious uh, and repeated teachings about change and impermanence and our navigation of what it means to be in this life which is the foundation of all spiritual practice really <clears throat> and I, I'd like to show you some images if I if I could there in, in some ways some obvious ones but maybe it will call you uh, to your own questions and your own own places of inquiry so I'm going to share my screen for a moment so on New Year's Day I took a walk and uh, this is on the, the west end of Molokai um, you can see footprints in the sand, of course. And these, these metaphors are obvious metaphors. 
uh, you can think of the old idea of the sands of time and uh, many of the other Buddhist teachings which I'll refer to. But the Buddhist teachings are old, and if you're awake to them, they're quite obvious. So using these metaphors, I think, is sometimes just a, a joy to, to share. As I, <clears throat> as I walked that day, I came upon an area closer to the cliffs that you see in the distance. And this is how I know the beach at this, this part of the beach uh, most of the year. And you can see the footprints going across the sand. There's some nice tidal pools over on the left. And I was surprised to see actually this part of the beach on New Year's Day because only one week before that very place looked like this. That's exactly the same spot. But the sand was completely washed out. And I couldn't get across. I mean, I could, but I didn't think it was wise. I know only one week something had happened. I had noticed before that there was something happening. That's from the other side, looking back. Something was shifting and moving, but it was shocking to me how quickly vast amounts of the earth could move and be changed by the sea and the wind. And, but isn't this how it is for us when things can change, you know, really in a moment? <clears throat> and I came home from my walk to receive a note um, in my email from uh, Josh and Trudy in Lancaster, and, and they uh, were sharing some things with me, and they also shared um, a reflection on the head student, Lynn Moore's recent talk. And the title of her talk is, uh, was, We Are All Sand Walkers. And she gave a beautiful talk. In fact, if you'll indulge me, I'm going to attempt to play three minutes of the talk, just three minutes, because I love her voice and I love her imagery. And I won't play the, the opening to the talk in which she uh, speaks um, to her online audience at that time, asking them to close their eyes to imagine something that she's going to describe. And I realized that I had photographs that I had taken um, of what she's describing. So I'm going to show those to you. And she's, she's speaking about how we're all walking on these ever shift, shifting sands. And <clears throat> in fact, in the note that Josh had sent, he said about the bay, which we're going to talk about. He says, you can only try to describe the bay right now and straight away it's changed. And that's our lives. How do we navigate? So <clears throat> let me see if I can manage the technology here. And this will be Lynn uh, Moore. I was, I was born in Morecambe, in Queen Victoria Hospital Morecambe, it was then, I don't know what it is now. Um, and for those of you who don't know anything about Morecambe, uh, Morecambe is a little town that is not very far from Lancaster. Um, the very word Morecambe means Great Bay, and it sits on a great bay. And uh, if you've looked on the, the website or come via the website, you will probably see that one of the images, one of the pictures is of Morecambe Bay. And 
It's a huge, huge bay with, uh, it's really the estuary of four rivers that run down from the hills into the bay. So it has the tide coming in and out and it has the rivers flowing through it. So perhaps you can see it in your minds and if you know it, you can probably see what it looks like. And if you look from the Morecambe side of the bay, um, you can see the hills of the Lake District and uh, certainly at this time of year when we start to get snow on the tops, you can see the, the snow on the hills as well. But the view that has always caught me and the view that I hold in my heart from being a girl was not the view of the hills, but the view out to sea. And one of the things about Morecambe Bay is the fact that, of course, because it's tidal, then sometimes the water's there and sometimes the water is, is not as visible and there are mud flats that go right the way across the bay. And when you look out to the horizon, that is the view that sits inside of me because I think it's the first view that gave me that sense of space, inner space and outer space and how the space that is outside us and the space that is inside us is really, really not separate. And that sense that you don't know where the sea ends and where the sky begins and you don't know where you end or when the world begins, if you like. I thought her descriptions were so beautiful. You don't know where the sea ends and the sky begins. And you don't know where you end and where the world begins. The bay, the Morecambe Bay that she mentions is a special place and traversing it is quite challenging. There are times when I've been there, Josh and Trudy have taken me, I was shocked at how fast the tides move. I'm used to the the waves here in Hawaii, but there the, the tide rushes. I've seen it also, uh, I'm, I'm seeing Christiana in, in Provincetown, how quickly it moves sometimes, but it was really shocking. It's impermanent, it's contingent, it's reshaping every moment. And how do we know how to traverse these things in our life? There's a, an ancient uh, piece that we chant in the Soto Zen liturgy, sometimes translated as the merging of difference and unity by Sikito Kisen, and right at the end, the last little bit, one translation says, if you don't understand the path as it meets your eyes, how can you know the way as you walk? Progress is not a matter of far or near, but if you're confused, mountains and rivers block the way. I humbly say to those who study the mystery, don't waste time. Another beautiful uh, translation says, if you don't understand the way right before you, how will you know the path as you walk? Progress is not a matter of far or near, but if you are confused, mountains and rivers block the way. I respectfully urge you who study the mystery, do not pass your days and nights in vain. And this is our, our call in practice. May without attending to our body, to our breath, to the world, to our relationships, if we don't understand that we can't grasp and stop things, impermanence, 
and that things aren't really things. They're an expression of everything, this interdependence. And that our attempt to do these first two things causes us great suffering, dukkha. But in order to traverse life, these things in life, I think we need each other. We need teachers, we need spiritual friends. And so it is for traversing these, uh, these kinds of sands and, uh, and these kinds of waters. In fact, I'm going to share again what I did earlier from the Bay, because there's a special uh, person who just died this past November. Uh, Cedric Robinson, this is the only photograph I did not take uh, from one of the staff photographers of The Guardian, and I'm not sure what year this was taken. Um, he was the, the Queen's Guide to the Sands. He was the gentleman who understood how to uh, traverse uh, the bay and hit, take people across. Um, the job that he had was actually created in the year 1548 when the reigning monarch inherited an obligation to uh, appoint guides to, uh, to help people traverse the sands of the bay. And Cedric was a guide for 56 years until this past November. He was appointed in October of 1963 as the Queen's 25th guide. And he would set out a safe route the day before a crossing was to happen and marking it with uh, uh, branches from laurel trees, stick them which would stay as the tide came and went and find a, a safe passage. And it, 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 he led so many um, parties across the sands, uh, most commonly from Arnside to Kent's Bank. Those of you that are there would know where that is. And sometimes a group as large as 600 people because he often would do so and raise money for charity. It said that he, in the 56 years, raised over a million pounds for charity by taking people across. In 1985, he guided Prince Philip across the sands in a horse-drawn carriage <laughs> in a, a special way. And Buddhists say that the goal of practice is to cross the river from the shore of ignorance, this world of birth and death, to the shore of awakening to nirvana. And like Morecambe, this river were to cross in the old stories is said as consists of four rushing streams. I don't know if Lynn knew this, but there are four rivers which come into Morecambe, but there are four rushing streams that make up this river that we're to cross in practice. The stream of craving, the stream of clinging to being, the stream of wrong view, and the stream of ignorance. And there's a, there's a story <clears throat> that is told um, in the, uh, the classical Buddhist literature, this on the shore of Morecambe here, but it said that there's a man who is trapped on one side of a fast flowing river, could equally be the bay with a fast flowing tide. And there's a lot of danger and uncertainty and there isn't a bridge or a ferry, so he gathers up what he can to make a raft, and it carries him to the other shore. And the Buddha is on the shore where he arrives, and he asks the people that are with him, the listeners, the Buddha says, what would you think if this, this man, having crossed the river, said to himself, this raft has served me well, so I'm going to strap it on my back and carry it over land now. And the monks replied that it would not be a very sensible thing to do. <laughs> You've used it. Um, and the Buddha continues, what if he lay the raft down gratefully, thankful 
that the raft has served him well, uh, but it's no longer of use, and it could be lain down on the shore. And the monks said, well, that would seem to be a proper attitude. And the Buddha concluded by saying, so it is with my teachings, which are like a raft, and are for crossing over, not for seizing hold of, not for attaching to. And I found it beautiful that I came upon this boat, which looks as if it's been left. It's not involved in crossing the bay, like the raft, and I got closer. I saw that the raft, this, this particular little boat was called Hopeful. And what you see next to it is a hole. It's a hole in the side where the L is cut off a bit. It's not the boat of hope. It's the boat of hopeful. With a hole in it, it's not useful. It's like all of our rafts that we construct, they're flawed. This one won't float and it wouldn't carry you across. It's time has come to lay it down. But our navigation of life doesn't ever really stop, you know? And so we have these things that we return to over and over. So I hope that you don't mind my taking the time to uh, play a little of the beautiful talk, We're All Sandwalkers, that Lynn did, and show you some of these images just to uh, bring us into the new year understanding that this is the foundation of our practice, how we move with impermanence. One year moves to the next. With interdependence, we're all dependent on each other to manage everything, including this pandemic. And that there's a lot of suffering and a lot of joy. And that's all part of uh, the fullness of life. Are there questions you have about your own traversing, your own making your way across that you'd like to bring forward? What's uh, vexing or perplexing? What are the areas of uh, inspiration, the, the challenges? What's to be bored across? Please raise your hand so we can be together. Hi, Flint. Thank you for your talk. It was so timely and your photography was wonderful, of course. I was just reminded that the process of grieving is just spoke to that so, so keenly and this morning I was talking with my brother on the phone and um, he was saying that he thought it was nice that my brother-in-law is going to come down to Mexico with us. And it just hit me and I just started to cry saying, Oh, I'm just going to die down there. And he said, what? You're going to die? And I said, well, no, I'm not going to die. But inside me is because Sarah and I used to have such wonderful times together down there. And it kind of turned out that Dennis and Mac and Sarah and I just paired up lots of the time. And I was into that. And, and then I, you know, when I hung up, I was very agitated and I was thinking, well, I guess it's part of the stage of all this is that you you go through things and and yet I was so grateful to be to think it's okay, just breathe, just 
it's all right. You know, it's, it's, you're going to get there and, and there's going to be enough wonder and enough wonderfulness and being together will make it fine. And, you know, your talk about the grass being wanting to hang on and that's just what I wanted to do. I just wanted to grab hold and keep that and not let it go. Well, that was going to be my question because you immediately said, oh, oh I'm going to die. And my question was, so what was going to die? What was going to die? Because you said you weren't going to die. What was going to die? Well, that's part of the mystery I'm going to find out. <laughs> I think it's it's that I'm, I'm going to be able to let go. And I know this somewhere in me. Because I've always been a survivor. And it's like the it, breath. You'll let go and you'll grasp yeah. again. And you'll let go and you'll grasp Yeah, again. yeah. Until you don't. Until you don't. But what some of us, I think, is... I think some of what is dying is all the ideas about how you wish it would be, how it should have been. Oh, my, how yes. Be. <laughs> so that you can come more into the present, that other shore. Yeah. That reality. But all those streams that went through and the tides, I, I felt them wash over me. And... Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's a different breath. Mm-hmm. So her body won't be there. No. Yes, she will. And you, and all of you. And all of us right here. All right. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Hold on. Am I unmuted? You are. Huh? You are. I You're am. Fine. Okay. Hello, it's good to see everybody. Um, yeah. Yes, um, your talk, um, Lynn, was it Lynn's talk? Mm -hmm. The sand, the sands walker. The photos um, were spectacular and appealing. And I have something I need help processing mm -hmm. and I'm afraid I'm not going to say it the right way, but certainly it's about sands that have seemed endless to me. And that's been okay. I thought I was a fearless person, but maybe I'm not. Um, so I got triggered by something. Um, very unexpectedly, I was simply reading an article on The Guardian and came across some words quoted um, by a little boy. His parents were withholding food from him. And it's like I was with him in that space. He said, nobody loves me. Nobody's going to feed me. And just uh, saying those words to myself, it's like I was overcome with nausea. I had heart palpitations. I felt like I was going to have a panic attack, but I didn't. Um, I experienced pure, unadulterated terror. And, you know, I've occasionally been to this place before, but not ever quite like this. The, the way this little boy's words invited you. It touched something in me. And he did not survive, but it's the fact he was so alone and I couldn't help him. And, um, but you must know those feelings. 
or they wouldn't have touched you in that way. Circumstances might be different, but somehow you know those feelings. Somehow I know those feelings. I, I don't know why I know those feelings. I can't I can't make sense of it, but um so just over this just happened a few days ago and it kept I was exhausted. Absolutely exhausted. And um I felt like something was my whole chest was raw. Mm-hmm. And it's as though something had been removed from it. Mm-hmm. And it was just raw and empty. And maybe you could call it spaciousness. Um, I don't know. It's very, very visceral. Um, I don't know what, I don't know. I just don't know. You do, you know enough, you know plenty. You know that this, you were surprised by going into a place that carried a lot of pain, maybe even trauma. Over the few days, you may have been surprised that that burden somehow began to be taken away and you felt a spaciousness. You're doing the same thing. And now you come forward today in order to be met in precisely the ways that the pain suggested you would never be met, listened to, heard, nourished, cared for, which is a nice thing to put in that space that that pain occupied, that opened up. That opening is a space that now you can take in. what felt so terrifying to be without. So how is this landing in that that place? It's alighting um, slowly, like feathers. Good idea. Slow is good. Coming down slowly and um like when you feed a malnourished child it needs to be slow so it can be taken in and it's, it's like i thought i was a brave person but apparently i haven't been able to meet these sensations fully before it was, it's been very disorienting. If I try to think about it, I have a sensation. It's like of things, there's these nameless things that are flying around. I can't see it. I can't experiencing it. You don't, you don't have to create any kind of narrative about it. You don't have to go back to anything. Just take in the nourishment that's available to you. Little by little. And let that be soothing. It's enough. Yeah. And we're, we're all brave when we are. It takes time to come to a place where we're ready for the next step, the next raft, the next crossing. So I wouldn't, I would judge you as not brave. I would say, oh, now it's time for this one. Yeah, what if, what if I had had no place to share this. I wonder if it would even have happened. I mean, I don't know how. I feel so fortunate that I have I have a place where I can be met. Yeah. And seen. This can be met and this can be seen. Good. I'm glad you said those words. This can be met and this can be seen. Those are as powerful as not being fed, not being cared for. This can be met. This can be seen. Yeah. Yeah. That's a mystery. Thank you, Lisa, because I'm sure you're speaking for a number of people here. You're not alone. Thank you very much. Hi, Flint. Hi, Emma. Um, 
I don't normally come forward, but I couldn't not today because you showed pictures of my home. So <laughs> I wondered about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I haven't heard Lynn's talk yet. So oh, it's, it's yeah. lovely. The whole thing is lovely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go and find it. Um, but I, I can't remember which photo it was you showed, but it's where I swim. Um, and I, I just started swimming in open water last year during the lockdown. Um, to sort of keep myself sane. <laughs> um, but it's become kind of my practice. I'm not very good at sitting, in all honesty. I'm pretty rubbish at it. But swimming. You go to the bay? Yeah. Um, is really. There's something about the sensory. Mm -hmm. um, it's all encompassing when you get in. And every swim is different. The bay is different every time you go. And, you know, there's all sorts of subtle changes where the wind meets different tides and um, different weather configurations. And then it's how you are as well when you meet all of those different variations. Um, so I've swum a full calendar year, just over a full calendar year. and. There hasn't been two swims the same, which is well. That's that's impressive because I know how cold it gets. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a wetsuit in winter. <laughs> oh, good. It's still quite cold though. <laughs> you know, um, one of the uh, first generation uh, Zen teachers who came to the United States from Japan, Katagiri Roshi. You may have heard of him or read. He he was asked one time, uh, "What is practice?" And he said, it's the one thing you do under all circumstances. The definition of, of practice. And it sounds like that's your practice is to go to the bay. Mm. And yeah. to immerse yourself. Yeah. 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 And it's that, um, that single focus that there's nothing else to do other mm -hmm. than meet the water. <laughs> ever-changing bag yeah. of life every yeah. always changing and and stay afloat <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'll try to <laughs> yes yes that's the reality yeah yeah so i just wanted to share that i couldn't i could yeah. not speak today i'm glad we could meet on the shore of the bay today <laughs> thank you Hello, everybody. Uh, I, I just sheepishly put my hand up. Um, I was invited by Josh to join today. I'm, and, I, and I really loved your talk, Flint, because I'm kind of going through two really large transitions right now, and it was really pretty timely. Um, I live in Colorado right now. In fact, that's where I am. I see. But, but I'm moving to, uh, to Lancashire, to Preston in March. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And... Um, and I'm leaving my job, um, going with my wife. She's going to work there. And so to me, this whole thing about, I mean, in three months time, it's going to look nothing like this crazy mess you see behind me. And my life will be so different. I can't even imagine how different it is. And, uh, you know, so thank you for showing the pictures of where I'll be, which is pretty fun. Literally going to the other shore. I am going, well, yeah. Um, and and so I, I just appreciate the talk and I wanted to introduce myself. So that's so good. Where where are you in Colorado? I, I live in right, very near Denver. Um, so out my out the uh, east side of my house, you can see downtown Denver. Kind of out the back, you can see the mountains. So so because uh, uh, I used to live in Denver and my family, some of my my all my uh, husband's family's from Colorado. So I was just curious exactly we, where we live in Lakewood actually. So, Lakewood. okay, good. Uh -huh. So you weren't affected by the fires or anything? No, but I had some staff who were, uh, yeah. one staff member was evacuated. His house was okay, but you know, it was very traumatic. Yeah. It's my brother-in-law, same. He lived right there in the very midst of it. And, but, but his yeah. house survived. Thank goodness. And, yeah. Well, blessings on your travels and your trip and your transition. Yeah, it's going to be a bit fun, I think, and scary. And you'll see that there are these beautiful people that you'll be able to meet. Well, that's why I'm so grateful that I could join so early. So mm -hmm. good.
Thank you. And hopefully we'll continue to connect wherever you are. The yeah. beauty of this medium. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks, Gregory. We have Josh and Trudy next. <laughs> Yeah. It's your fault that I have those pictures. <laughs> I was oh well, hi Greg. I was so exciting to to see your name come up and uh, and to meet you and that you took up that invitation so readily. So that's fantastic. Um, and uh, I, it was very heart heart swelling for me to hear your talk. I'd loved Lynn's talk, and um, mm -hmm. I've. I've walked the bay a few times, um, up to my chest, going through the River Kent and everyone's, it's pretty scary and I, I burnt the back of my legs because I'd, I'd slapped up, um, but forgotten about the radiated sun off the, uh, the hard sand and the water and, um, and then we tried to do it and I got turned round by the wind, it was so windy. Um, and we'd taken our granddaughter, Misha, as you know, to, um, to experience the bay. And we ended up taking her to the hospital because she'd got sand <laughs> embedded in her eyes from walking on the sandy bay that was a failed walk. So I think if you that. don't have much history or experience, you don't understand what that means to go across that expanse. It's really a... I know that uh, Maria got trapped there once in part of her family. Yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, it's the most extraordinary place. Um, and yet there it is. There's life, you know. All of it, all of it, and um, and I have that sort of sense of learning to love the bay, because when I moved, it was kind of like, dear God, what is this place? You know, it's flat. It's gray, there's no waves. Um, and and now it just feels like home mm -hmm. um, with everything that it has with it. Mm -hmm. um, which is also a great big power station pumping out God knows what and don't eat the fish sort of thing. It, it's, uh, it's such a place of kind of beauty and terror and... Um, yeah. And I think that's what I wanted to convey is that combination of beauty and terror, which is every breath, really. Uh, yeah. not, not that we should be made to think of life as dramatic, but, um, but to come close to that is part of what practice is for. Mm. And to be close to each other as we meet it all. And I was thinking of that Rilke quote about, you know, love, uh, love everything, beauty and terror, and nothing lasts forever. Um, and then also really feeling um, I think I've been really walking through some disappointment mm -hmm. um, because it's like and the language is so tricky but it's like feeling like I kind of get how like the bay has everything um, mm -hmm. but something in me is deeply disappointed about how shit life is um, you know the ongoing um grindiness and the um how all of that doesn't make anything different mm -hmm. um all the practice um doesn't make it less shit um and and i it what it feels like is another layer of like the child part of me that always had the Superman image. I've talked about it before, you know, you do your practice, you go into your telephone box and you come out with your underpants over your, over your tights right. and suddenly, you know, you're impermeable and nothing can touch you. And, um, and I think that it's like there's this other little part that's kind of going, yeah, I, I got rid of the bigger aspect of that, but, oh, shit. No, but <laughs> it's like, pieces we still work with, isn't it? You know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just the and it's just so fascinating to yeah. open to that. To the deep, good, wholesome practice will not make the world in my image. No. 
it will still be the same world, but yeah. how will I meet it? You know, yeah. I was looking up something I didn't say in the talk, the original uh, Buddha says, Sabe Sankara Dukkha, meaning all constructions have the nature of Dukkha. Sabe Sankara Anatta and Nietzsche, all constructions have the nature of, it doesn't say life is like this, just the things we construct. Yeah. And that's where, and that's what you've dedicated your life to, is assisting people on how do we construct the ways that we meet this world. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And sometimes the construction is a shitty one. <laughs> and, sometimes, <laughs> and sometimes even in the face of difficulty, you you see the, the, the sad poignant beauty and sometimes the awesomeness, you know. Absolutely. Nothing, Absolutely. No new teachings, nothing unusual. Yeah. The metaphors are easy to see, but oof. It's the, it is the full catastrophe living. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So thank you for being my beloved companion thank you for showing me the way <laughs> the real so one I, and I, the other I one i so hope we'll see it you'll see it again sometime uh, soon right i hope so too yeah <laughs> thank you take care you too <laughs> rosemary oh hello i plan to everyone so this is very undramatic um situation, but I appreciated Perth starting with the, the change and the movement with the breath as an example, a prime example of everything moving and changing. Um, and then um, Lynn's beautiful talk, and when she said we're all sand walkers, my first thought was of our bare feet in the sand where it just slip, it keeps slipping away from us. Right. So that was an image that I had um, along with everything you said. My um, practice edge, apparently one of them anyway, is can uh, canceling appointments on me. And, you know, it's, you know, and I find myself um, um, annoyed, uh, you know, almost angry, sometimes angry and, and very, um, and not very nice in my responses. It could be a patient, it could be a friend and, um, and I think that that covers a lot of hurt, you know? Um, and if I think of it the way you're talking about it, that whatever agreement we have with people, it's, it's shifting, I can shift, they can shift. And also whatever the feelings are, which I never think about between the person and me, those aren't, those aren't going away or significantly, those aren't really changing. Um, so anyway, it was very helpful because I was really reflecting on myself and these, these reactions. And like I was saying to Trudy, the constructions, exactly. if someone cancels, it's a simple fact, but the meaning you make of it tells you something about yourself. Oh. Like, oh, at point, it's the U-turn. Oh, what is, what meaning did I construct out of a simple change in a date? Exactly. And, and it's like I have a lot of requirements of people. Yeah, that I, yeah. I, I it, it all begins to unfold and you see the shifting yeah. sands. And one last thing, since we're at the end of our time, curiously, you said about being barefoot. So Cedric Robinson walked barefoot so he could feel the sands until his old age in which he put on, you know, the boots that you saw in the picture later on. But mostly he walked barefoot, even in the cold water. So we want to feel life. And and feel the change, for him, especially to feel the change. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much, Lynn. Sure. And unfortunately, it's our time to stop. Um, so uh, let's continue our, um, and I know there are the people that had their hands up. I apologize. We'll, we'll recite the four practice principles as we um, um, are good with our time. Right. Caught in the self-centered self dream. dream, only suffering, only suffering. holding to self-centered self thought. thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, 
life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way, caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Thank you so much, everyone, and welcome to our new year of being together and however we can. And Maria? Thank you so much, Flint and fellow Sandwalkers. Um, if you'd like to make a contribution to this evening or to Appamada and any of its events, please go to the calendar at appamada.org forward slash contribute. And uh, you'll find lots of different events there as well and various ways to contribute to people such as Flint, Peg and other teachers such as Laurie, Todd and Joel. Um, but thank you all again so much. And if you'd like to continue to meet and share, then please do stay exactly where you are um, for a further 30 minutes and um, join myself and others. I look forward to meeting some of you right now. Thank you again, everybody.